righty. Finally Friday, finally made it. Absolutely jam-packed show for you today. We'll lead you right into high school district championship. John on the call, Freeland versus Arthur Hill. That's at 7 o'clock. Also, if you wait around, stick around until 6.30. We're talking to former employee here. Chris Vosters, now voice, TV voice of the Chicago Blackhawks for NBC Chicago Sports. Had to talk to him about the Patrick Kane uh, game-winning goal that happened on Sunday. Really excited to get that uh, in. That's coming up at 6.30, but I got to be honest with you guys. I come into work today, and I'm just instantly ambushed, bombarded, by Mr. Brad Tunney, who decides to finally join the show. How's it going, Brad? What's up, Ben? I, 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 didn't, I didn't even realize you still work here. What's up, Ben and Ben? Double Ben's today. Ben Clevenger Triple B with Brad us. in the house. Ooh. Brad, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I come into work today, and you got the vein popping on my, my forehead. You started coming at me right away, and you gave probably the dumbest thing, uh, the dumbest opinion I've heard in, in weeks, ever since the Lions season ended. I don't think there's been a dumber thing said. Right, based in logic, so of course you than, think it's dumb. Yeah. Than what you told me a couple hours ago when I walked in. So I, I'll get out of your way if you want to go ahead and make this case. This is not a my opinion. This is a your opinion. Today's Remember That was that you somewhat heard that the Lions may want to trade up in the first round for a quarterback or something, or maybe you didn't even apply uh, imply it was the first round. I simply said that you and I, are we are polar opposites when it comes to our opinion on Jared Goff. Maybe not who he is as the player, but when it comes to roster construction. Right, you have I, a dumb way of constructing rosters, and I have no, a, the way that 32 way. NFL teams operate. A, a, a log- no, not 32, but okay. Uh, I, I don't think the answer long-term for, if our goal here, look, like, like we can we can be opposed in how we live our lives too. Like a lot of people that I know are vehemently against debt, right? Financially, they live their lives vehemently against debt. Some people live their lives do a whole show on debt. every day with the only goal of all right, how does this help my net worth? How does this increase my personal income today? Right? Like people have different kind of approaches to to their finances on a daily basis. You and I vehemently disagree on roster construction in the NFL. My goal just like it is for some people maybe financially, if it may be, I don't care what I do on a daily basis. My Every decision is based on how do I increase my net worth? How do I increase income now? My goal in the NFL, number one, what is the best chance to win me a Super Bowl, period? I don't care about anything else. It's the same philosophy in the NBA, right? It's the 76ers losing, losing, losing year after year just to get one star. They don't care how so long it took. the Pistons are doing something right is what you're saying. No, they, they still haven't, well, other than Cade, might not have that star yet. But it, it's just a philosophical thing. My number one goal is what moves help me win a Super Bowl, period. I don't care what helps me win in the NFC. I don't care what helps me win a division. I think the Lions, now that they're not the sorriest organization in the NFL, can start to focus on Winning a Super Bowl. You do realize you have to win a division and, and win a playoff game I before you win the Super Bowl, that. right? Those but are those guess are what? real they steps did that, towards though. a Super so Bowl. So now let's win the freaking Super Bowl. So every move for me from today on, now that we believe in the owner, we believe in the GM, didn't say that five years ago, 10 years ago, for the last 50 years, frankly, in the org, let's do everything we can to win the Super Bowl. Anything less of that is not doing the best service to the fans. Mm -hmm. That's my belief. And so my roster construction belief is evident in that. It's, 
I'm never extending a quarterback. Period. I'm not paying market value for a quarterback. I don't care if it's Jared Goff. I don't care if it's Josh Allen. I don't care if it's Jalen Hurts. I don't care if it's uh, prime Russell Wilson. Uh, name, I don't care if it's Joe Burrow. Okay? I'm not extending a quarterback at market value and giving him any more than like 12% of the cap unless his name's Patrick Mahomes. Because we have 30 years of evidence in the NFL that states you can't win unless you have Mahomes or a quarterback under that 12% threshold. Well, that's not necessarily true. No, there's 30 years of evidence. It's never been done. Well, there's been six different quarterbacks to make the Super Bowl that have gone over that 12%. I said win a Super Bowl, Yeah, but when you get to a Super Bowl, all you have to do is you have to get to a Super Bowl before you can make a Super Bowl. I understand that. The fact is, it has never been done. And so unless fans out there want to say, we think Jared Goff and this roster is different than any Brady team, Brady's never done it, okay? Matt Ryan got to a Super Bowl at 15.3% of the Didn't cap. win the Super Bowl, okay? Because he was going against Brady, who's no longer in the league. Correct. Brady never won a Super Bowl either with over 12% of the cap. So he, False. False statement. 12.5%. Sure. 12.42. Great. What I'm saying is the fact is, other than Mahomes, who's done it now twice at over 16%, unless you're willing to say Goff is Mahomes, the highest threshold or percent of the cap that a Super Bowl winning quarterback has ever had in the salary cap era is Steve Young. 1994, 13.1%. That's the highest, okay? Point blank. No one's won it higher than that. And so unless you're willing to tell me Goff is equal to Mahomes, 100% of us are going to say he's not, well, then you've got to tell me that the Lions are going to do something that no team in the salary cap era has ever done before. And if you can say that and move forward with your life and say, yeah, you know what, we're willing to give uh, Jared Goff which I think is a conservative estimate, $40 million a year, three years, four years, five years, I don't care, $40 million, that's fine. Over the course of that extension from 2025 to 2028, he will always have more than 13% of the cap. So unless you think he's different or this team is different, to me, you don't have a chance of winning the Super Bowl. It's not an indictment on Goff, the quarterback. It's an indictment on roster building. It's why Josh Allen is not going to win a Super Bowl in Buffalo. It's why Jalen Hurts is not going to win a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. They consume too much of the cap. It forces too many holes in other spots of the roster. That's it. I don't have a necessary problem with your ideology behind that. I understand what you're saying. But your solution as to what, how to fix that problem is where I start to ask questions. Like, so if you would never extend a quarterback, that means you're drafting a new quarterback every four years at the very or, least. Or doing what the Rams and Lions have already done, because that's what led to the most recent non-Mahomes Super Bowl. Stafford traded in the middle of a deal at 10% of the cap. Stafford wins a Super Bowl as a quarterback that only consumed 10% of the cap. That's how it's done. It's not getting your quarterback in, their agent having all the leverage over you, and Lions fans can can convince themselves otherwise if they think the team has any leverage over golf right now, they don't. No, just playing the best season yes. of his career, 29 years old. And you're staring at Hendon Hooker as your starter next year, which again is where my, my logic falls flat a little bit. We've never seen him play. Uh, no, I understand. That's where it does fall flat, but that's, that's why where I'm willing to dumb. trade up for a quarterback this year. 
Like that's that's what? how you do it. That's wait, wait, how you do wait, it. Wait, pause. You're willing to what? Trade up for a quarterback. That was the whole point of this. Who? You coming in today. Who? If one of the top four fall to the teens, anywhere between twelve to fifteen in the draft, I think you should be willing to trade up. And that's where I'm completely out. That's where that's where I, I know. That's where you have me thinking that the, you but don't understand how my this goal, all though. works. Right. Like this year, I don't think using your first round pick is going to make or break your Super Bowl chances. I think you are in the bubble. It's going to take more than just the 29th overall pick, though. I get it. It may take like a second and a third in next year's draft. So That's fine. So you're willing to take a second round pick, a third round pick, and this year's first round pick to and draft someone 20- to draft someone who will never see the field next season. We need guys to help I us am, win a Super because Bowl right now. If your whole goal is to win a Super Bowl... I think it's short-sighted you is said, what I'm saying. You said the only goal that this team should mm-hmm. have is to win a Super Bowl. Correct. Then why would you just punt three draft picks out the window and light them on fire to never use them next season? When you just saw what Brad Holmes is capable of by drafting four mm-hmm. guys who started mm-hmm. the entire season and contributed to mm-hmm. two playoff wins, why are you willing to just punt an entire draft class where Brad Holmes thrives maybe better than 31 other GMs in the NFL just to draft someone like J.J. McCarthy who would never see the field and at best is an emergency backup quarterback who doesn't dress on game days? My response to that would be the team that just beat you in the NFC Championship albeit did not win the Super Bowl. I know we're stating here that you got to be able to win a Super Bowl to prove this logic. The team that just beat you in the NFC Championship punted their first-round pick three straight years, and it didn't matter. They still beat you. They punted their second-round pick three straight years. They haven't had a successful pick in the first first round or second round, and they missed on two of their three third-round picks last year, and they didn't have a fourth-round pick two years ago. Yeah, that's great, that's that's great for them. That's how much draft capital they've They've pushed forward, and they still beat you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and that's great and for you know them. Why they and beat you know you? who's going to walk into week one next year as a better team because they can afford to pay people is the Lions. What do you mean? They just beat you, and they're going to have just as good of an offseason as you because everyone— what makes you say that? Everyone got the $30 million kick in the salary cap, and they only had $7 million less in cap space going into the offseason. That $7 million is really going to do you one better? That's one guy that could sign with San Francisco and ends up signing with the Lions. That's a swing type of player right there. You're not going to be able to re-sign all these free agents that they have in the front seven on defense. On the offensive line, they're losing guys too. You're not re-signing everyone the way that the Lions are planning on doing this offseason. The Niners can, though, the same way the Lions can. Everyone can. That's the issue with this offseason. It's the Kevin Durant offseason when the TV money hit the NBA. Don't compare it to the NBA. Everyone Nobody wants to can re-sign that. everyone this offseason. Here's, here's there my, are no advantages. Here's my problem. Y- y- by your logic, you want a new quarterback in the building. What happens when that guy doesn't live up to how Jared Goff is playing? What happens when that guy can't run the system the way that Jared Goff does at a, at, at a top-tier level that has won them two different playoff games? Then what happens? 100%. Then Everyone is mad because you no longer have a team. You're talking about a Super Bowl. You have an opportunity to fall out of the playoffs entirely. No. Here's the issue. We don't know J.J. McCarthy's that guy in the NFL And I'm a big J.J. fan. I know. I'm asking Lions fans to think long-term here. If I tell you that there are 30 years of evidence that prove that if you extend golf, you're not winning a Super Bowl, and if that's the ultimate goal, and you might be saying, well, that's short Like, you can't use an absolute there. Well, again, look, if he's going to get $40 million a year, 
He's going to do he's going to have more money than any NFL quarterback has ever had to win a Super Bowl, okay? Not Period. necessarily. Yes. No, not necessarily. Okay, so if you're saying he gets a 4-year, 180 million dollar contract, right? That'd be 40 45 million dollars a year. Wanna 45 million yeah, is we, franchise we, killer. We want to round up on Okay, okay, fine. 4 years, 150 million. That's what he's projected on spot track. Okay? I think that's low that, and conservative. Let's, yeah. Then let's call it 40 million dollars. Okay. Yeah. Not Every single penny in that is going to be guaranteed because we're always going to look back to John's dumbass Giants who overpaid Daniel Jones $40 million a year, $160 million, four years. But guess what? Only $92 million of that was guaranteed. When Kirk Cousins signed a three-year deal, when he was also 29 years old, he signed for $84 million. Every single penny of that was guaranteed because it was adjusted price. When he re-signed with the Vikings for $66 million, guess what? Only half of it was guaranteed. It's not like if you give Jared Goff $160 million, you have to give up any, every penny of it. You can adjust it to where the first two years, okay, yeah, it's an increase in cap hit, but it's not a cap killer until those last couple of years, and which might asking, not end up being guaranteed anyway. And what you're asking, what you're, what you're doing here is thinking that the Lions somehow have leverage over those guaranteed dollars. And we just agreed that Goff and his agent have more leverage over the team than they do over him. Not if you do it right now. Because if here's the thing. They're gonna it doesn't gain matter more, doing no, it no, now. No, no. It does matter because they're going to gain more leverage. And when I say they, I mean Jared Goff and his agent. If you wait and then the Bucks pay Baker Mayfield and give him too much money. If the Vikings or Steelers give too much money to Kirk Cousins. Hell, if they let Jared Goff play on the final year of his contract this year and don't extend him this summer now you're dealing with someone like Jordan Love getting a contract extension and if Jordan Love who can't win this division is making more money than Jared Goff well then it's a problem because the reigning NFC North champion quarterback isn't making as much as someone else in the division if Trevor Lawrence gets overpaid even though Goff had more yards more touchdowns less interceptions better QBR better QB rating better yards per attempt if Trevor Lawrence gets paid this offseason before Jared Goff, okay, now we're running into a problem because you're going to have to overpay for him. The, you the, have to get ahead of the curb here. You, you, you were behind the curb the moment Goff performed like a top 10 quarterback. To you, this is, so what, it's a bad thing rank? Goff was great. It's a bad thing Goff was good this year. That's what you're saying. Well, yeah, because now you have to pay him market value because he has leverage over your team. Because what what he, I'm telling you he, is, he, he what does he division? rank to you in the NFL? What does he rank to you in the NFL? 10 ish. 10th. Okay, well, 10 ish. Right, 10th. Would, is what the cap hit he had going into this year now on his current deal, $32 million. He's going to want an upgrade from that, right? He's going to want to at least be 7th or 8th in cap hits moving forward. Like, you can't just stay. You do realize this guy won us the first division title in years. I know, he's years. a good quarterback. What I'm saying is the leverage against the team is the fact that going into this year, on the last year of a deal, he already has the 10th highest cap hit in the NFL. There's no way he's taking less than that in terms of his league standing which means he's going to want to be the 6th, 7th, or 8th biggest cap hit in the NFL when the extension kicks in. Okay, then make him and that right that, now. Make him that right now, and then let Jacksonville overpay for Trevor Lawrence. Right, let and if the you Cowboys make him that right now, him, though, he's already going to be getting over 13% of the cap. That's just what the market is bearing because the other bad teams in the NFL are okay with a middling quarterback. They're okay giving Josh Allen a mega deal. Right, Josh Allen, middling quarterback. No, he's the second-best quarterback in the NFL. With a half-dozen starters as holes in their team, and that's why they can't ever beat the Chiefs. It's that's why not why. It's because they don't have Mahomes. 
It's, it's as simple no, as like, that. We can keep going back to that, but there's 30 years of evidence to tell us that when the roster is constructed top-heavy with the quarterback, it's not just a Mahomes thing. It's the entire history of the NFL with a salary cap that tells you if you want to pay a quarterback 15% of your cap, there will be holes on the rest of the roster. It doesn't matter how good your GM is. It doesn't matter how good your coach is. That's just the fact. And so it's hard to so stomach you- that as a fan base because I get what it means. It means a quarterback you've committed yourself to saying, I'm sorry. And that's why no GM and no owner ever does it. Because if you do that and you fail, like we're talking about, say we trade up, get J.J. McCarthy, and he's a dud. waste three picks to get J.J. McCarthy when you already have Hendon Hooker. Then the the owner has pitchforks coming their way. Then the GM loses their job. Then the head coach. It's, It's a heavy, heavy risk. It's just you kind of agree to the fact that we won't be able to win a Super Bowl if we pay this quarterback, right? Like, Dak Prescott is going to get paid again soon. The reason why the Cowboys have not been able to win under his current deal is because they gave him the mega extension, just like Josh Allen, just like Kyler Murray, just like Josh Allen, just like Russell Wilson. All these guys that are paid heavily, like, we don't have the understanding of every single player's cap percentage for every team, right? But we can simply state a fact. 30-plus years of evidence in the NFL, if you're going to pay a quarterback at 15% of the cap, it becomes really hard to build a good roster around them, no matter if you have the Patriots-era Bill Belichick-Tom Brady combo or not. All of those years, Brady was under the 13%. Like, the defenses would not have been top 10 if he was at 15%. That's how big of a difference it is. And I know we're only talking about maybe $7 million a year, but it's still a massive difference, and it's 30 years of evidence to prove that. 989-837-6125. I think it's a little fishy that the Lions have not extended Jared Goff yet. Do I think this extension is coming? I sure hope so, because I think this guy's earned it. I don't think you can link, go into next season or the season after that trusting in Hendon Hooker or a rookie quarterback to keep you at that level. And that's where I think we disagree. Because if you fall flat on your face, you just kick something special down. You, you burn something special to the ground. What the Lions have around Jared Goff right now is Super Bowl worthy. Now, you need someone to be able to drive the car and steer the ship to get them to the Super Bowl. We don't know if Hendon Hooker's that guy. We don't know if a rookie's that guy. And the fact that you're willing to just get rid of picks and trade up, that's what I can't get past. We could take a timeout. We could take a timeout and hear from some folks. 989 837 6125. That's the Frick Sports Bar text line. 989 837 6125. And when we come back, I'll lay out what this roster looks like for you if you really want to pay Goff a $40 million a year deal. Because it's bleak. There's a lot of good players on the team. This roster has no chance to win a Super Bowl in his extension, and I can prove it for you. And everyone will agree. Such a liar. That's next on The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. Back The Payoff. 989-837-6125. That's the number to the Frick Sports Bar text line. You guys can text in. I'm a little sussed out that the Lions haven't given Jared Goff an extension yet this offseason. I think it's time. I think it's coming. Brad here, on the other hand, doesn't want to even... He wants Jared Goff out of Detroit. Look, he I, hates him. Look, I think like most fans' reaction to the not getting a, uh, an extension done yet is... I think, it's, I think it's good speculation to think, all right, what would the negotiations look like? Because you're right. Goff is probably, a, in terms of market value, because the strategies in the NFL for most teams are... If we have a good quarterback in house, we have to pay them. That's long been the strategy. I like personally, I would love to see an owner go for this the idea of let's draft a quarterback every year, rounds four, five, or six, 
And if one of them is average, we just build the best roster in the league. It's essentially how the Niners got to the Super Bowl this year. Their quarterback makes up 0.4% of the cap in Purdy. He's a seventh rounder on him. And they built the best roster around their quarterback that the NFL has probably seen in 20 years. But you know what the problem with that is? Once you develop a reputation that we know you, you draft a quarterback, you know for a fact they're not going to be around for more than four years, nobody wants to play for your team. You Why would you no one want to play for a team you that's been to the culture. Super Bowl twice in the we last three years? We haven't been to the Super Bowl. The 49ers have, you bum. <laughs> Let's get to the Frick Sports Bar text line, 989-837-6125. Iggy from Midland chiming in. So apparently, according to Brad Tunney, if you don't win the Super Bowl, screw your quarterback. So the team has to get comfortable with a new one every season like it's a rebuild. He should probably stick to calling baseball. Okay, the quarterback is one of 22 starters and one of 53 total roster Most positions, right? Important I understand position. that. That's not a rebuild, right? Like, no, the, it is a Niner, rebuild. It is a rebuild. Is it? Yes. You don't Losing get, one of 22 starters, right? Yeah, the most important player on your team. Right, yeah, like the it, Niners, that tends, that the, the Niners have rebuild. had four different true starters in the last three years, right? Okay, and, and you say that's the one. That's the one exception, Brad. That's the one time this has ever happened. It's the only team doing it, and I'm not saying like I. The Niners have essentially. Like kind of fallen into this sort of strategy. They're also cat magicians. Well, they're cat magicians because they have an infinite amount of money because they don't pay a quarterback. That's the whole point here. Because they lucked it. No, you know what? (laughs) They tried to pay a quarterback, Brad. They accidentally did this. They missed. They missed on that and gave up a ton of draft capital. And guess what? Their roster was still better than yours. What do you mean yours? (laughs) The Lions. (laughs) What, What are you, a Niners fan now? They haven't had a first-round pick in three years that has hit, and the roster and is still what? better. And guess what? And if they did have first-round picks, their if they did have first-round picks, yeah. they'd be better off. Maybe they would have won that Super Bowl. Possibly. The Lions are doing it differently. They're doing it through the draft. No, they're, and they're doing damn it the good same it. way every other team does. And for 30 years, no. that team hasn't been able to win a Super Bowl. And for three years, nobody's been okay. able to draft as well as the Lions. 2025. Have. I'm going to give you another big jump in the salary cap here to 265 million. Right? Goff's getting 40, and Amon Ra's getting 25. You, you've already kicked Taylor Decker to the curb, Aleem McNeil to the curb. We're giving Graham Glasgow a courtesy deal. Just with those extensions, kick every other free agent out of the building. Iffy and C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Why? Because you can't afford them, Ben. Okay, you're, we're just arbitrarily already pushing them out because you're not going to be able to afford them with Goff at forty million. Right, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He's going to be super expensive for playing four games this season. Well, again, yeah, his market price is going to go so up. So he's no good. So he's not going to be on the roster anyway. That team, right? That team is already with only twenty-seven players. How big is an NFL roster? Fifty-three people. Fifty-three. So you'd need another twenty-six guys, right? Yep. How much money would you have to do it with? You'd have only $60 million to field 23 additional players, add in a full two years of draft picks. Guess what? We're looking at hopefully finding, because that roster only has 14 starters on it. Get ready to replace eight starters from this team plus another 15 full rostered players for only $60 million. But you, you make an assumption that every single person who's a contract comes to an end is going to be a top end market valued person. Ben, this isn't There's new. There's some though, people though. that are going to could get re-signed for a reasonable price. 
I like I think these are reasonable prices. Like Panay Sewell is not getting any less than twenty seven million. Panay Sewell is going to be the highest paid right tackle. Yeah, he in may football. get thirty. Amon Ra is getting no less than twenty five. Aiden Hutchinson's getting no less than twenty to twenty five. Like, I'm not talking about the stars on this team. I'm talking but, but about like Ify Melifonwu's. There is no team in the NFL though that affords that level, that amount of talent when they also pay a quarterback. Like go find the roster that pays a quarterback market value. And can justify paying another five All Pros. Brett, the Lions you won't can be able re-sign to. Goff and make the first two years very affordable. You don't have to. You can backload this contract. Not all the money has to come in in the first two years. You can expand the window, even signing Goff. Because let's be honest with ourselves: you're not finding a rook, a better rookie quarterback to help deliver, to help play point guard and get the ball to the into the hands of their playmakers on this team. You really think J.J. McCarthy, and th- th- now it sounds like I'm just a J.J. McCarthy hater, no, which isn't no. what I'm saying. But it's not about any, J.J.'s talent. Any rookie quarterback, even Hendon Hooker, who I've defended and have clearly stayed on, I'm excited to see at some point down the road, which I think is what they're doing, those guys couldn't operate this system as well as Jared Goff can. He was damn near perfect in both all three playoff games. I don't think you Goff, put a rookie in that situation, and what's going to happen? I don't. Well, I mean, JJ just stood the test of a full college football playoff and won a national championship. So a in second college. year guy. Yeah, I know. But after sitting behind a year, like, and how I, did Jordan Love do after I sitting for two that. years? How did how did he? he finish he's got the a season? far worse roster, how, but I would argue that like Love may be right how, now no, just as talented as Golf. No, how did he finish the season? Behind you guys. No, 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 no. Yeah. How did he finish the season? Pretty poorly. With an interception in the NFC Divisional okay. Championship game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You bring in someone every year, like your philosophy is saying, someone new that's no, never been to the postseason. To the that's never been to the postseason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it gets it's different. Specific all to the sudden, Lions, the that's defense all. is playing a lot different. All of a sudden, you're playing against the best defensive coordinators in the NFL in January. And your quarterback's not built for it because you don't... You don't have any sustainability. One hundred percent. There's that's, all this influx right. in quarterbacks that's, every year. That's all built on vibes. Unfortunately, like that's your <laughs> that's what you're saying by drafting a different quarterback every year. For sure, I would rather take that variable chance than give Goff forty million a year and know that it's never been done before. And then you walk into every single season into training camp, going, "Eh, I hope this year's good. We haven't seen our quarterback yet." Who well, wants to be feeling you would then like have, that? Well, going into 25, the first year of the, of the alleged extension for Goff, you would have seen two years of Hooker in your facility and a full year of, let's say, hypothetically, J.J. You would have now two guys that you gave first-round grades to in the last two drafts. You'd have a combined three years of evidence to look at and say, which one is the best? Let's start them going into 26 or 25, and you do it. That, and that's all. I'd, I would be willing to take that risk as an org, period. Because when Goff is at $40 million you're saying, okay, but a rookie quarterback or a second-year or a third-year quarterback wouldn't be built to win a playoff game. The issue is with Goff at $40 million, your roster's not built to win high-level playoff games because you'd have to say goodbye to players you really like that you're penciling into the roster in 25, Un- 26, and 27. Unless you keep your draft picks, don't trade up for J.J. McCarthy, and actually draft good players to help you the way Brad Holmes has. So you're, sure. you're, your argument has some... 
valid. Like it's valid. I understand the ideology of taking a quarterback every year and hoping it's at some too point emotional you luck for fans into to someone. wrap into. I get However, it. your idea of trading up for someone, wasting three picks for someone who's never going to play this year. That's where you lose me because these draft picks can be used to make this the, a Super Bowl team this season. The perfect example of this would have been if Trey Lance hit, they are likely good enough to beat Mahomes in the Super Bowl this year. The difference between what they thought Lance would be and what Purdy was is probably the difference in the Super Bowl. That's the exact strategy, right? They saw an opportunity with a middling quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, and said, the roster construction is more important than the quarterback. Let's go get a guy that we believe in. And if Brad Holmes believes in one of those four quarterbacks, then they should do it. Because if one of those four quarterbacks hits, and we trust Brad Holmes from a scouting perspective and everything else in a development, if you, you trust... already have someone in the building for that, though. Then make so it Hendon Hooker waste, and don't extend so Goff. So why waste That's fine. That's fine. a pick on a quarterback right. this year? Right. This, this starts with the extension of Goff. Then make it Hooker. Make it Hendon Hooker. And just don't plan on extending golf this offseason and kick him to the curb. That's fine with me, too. If Hooker's the guy, do that. Don't worry about trading up. That's totally fine, too. It, the topic is whether or not you can extend golf. And I would say no. Because if Hooker's your guy, then go do it. Because I don't think golf is 35 to $40 million better than insert third-year Rookie deal Someone you have here. not seen. Someone who could be terrible. And then your season's look, done. Look, if, And then your season's you miss, done. If you miss on two quarterbacks in the first and second round, say you try with Hooker, and say you also trade up in this scenario for McCarthy, and you miss on both of them, yeah, you deserve to lose your job anyway. But if one of them hits, you've now extended your Super Bowl window into what these prospective golf sure. extension years are. It's a, it's, it's a nice theory on Madden when you can develop your players and boost their overall with your little coins. Well, it's but a great theory no emotionally to say that no, golf's extension can win you a Super Bowl when we have 30 years of evidence that says you can't. Period. Point blank. That's a fact. So it's a great emotional theory to attach yourself to this quarterback that finally won us a playoff game and, oh, we're going to extend him and give it market value. Who, you're not... You don't get to... Assume a rookie's going to come in and be better than Jared Goff. Day I'm not one. assuming that. So what? So he can be lesser. Could, he can be lesser. So then you just then then you sabotaged your season already. No, he can when be you a lesser quarterback. Put yourself in a situation and who's made a better the quarterback, Jared Goff or Brock Purdy? I'd say Jared Goff. Right. Okay. Why'd you lose then? Uh, they weren't able to run the, the ball in the second better. half. They because the, the roster the construction half. is better. That's I don't the think it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's, then why do we have a 17-point lead? The, the, they, that game was winnable, Brad. Don't, it's don't not tell about me the that individual that, game. Don't tell me that that team was significantly <laughs> better than the Lions. The don't is better. No, stop. Do not tell me that that team would blow the Lions out of the water. Ben, they were Fuck. the higher seed. Okay, They were favored, and they won the game. Brad, don't they were the better if team. If they play that game 10 times, how many times do the 49ers win? Vegas is favored 7, 8. They were favored all 10 times, and they would probably win 7 or 8 times. Like That's just we what it is. We had a 17-point lead on the road. Okay, and you lost. Like, and it doesn't play matter. At home, what would have happened? These teams are equal. They're These not, though, when they had the better record during the regular season to earn the home field. Right. But what happens next That's year it. when so they were the Sam better LaPorta, team during the regular Jameer season? Gibbs, Brian Branch, all are getting better. What happens like, when the next year's what rookies when class Dre Greenlaw are getting better? And, every, and Fred Warner gets better and, and Brandon Ayuk get gets older. better. Those are all guys that were drafting the last three years. Like, we're, we're, 
you lost with a better quarterback, and now you're about to pay him even more, and their roster is still better. I don't think Goff is $40 million better than a guy in his rookie deal. I just don't think he is. And what we're talking about here, that $35 million, that equates to essentially like the talent of Fred Warner and Sauce Gardner. What are you talking? No. That, those are the cap hits. Like $40 million plus dollars, the difference between, say, Hendon Hooker and Jared Goff is $40 plus million on his extension. Let's say that, right? What is $40 plus million dollars in terms of two contracts? Fred Warner and Sauce Gardner. So here, let, let's let's bring the question. To what this team thing. is better, no, no, a team no, no, with Hendon Hooker hold and on. Sauce Gardner and Fred Warner, or a team with Jared Goff and probably having to lose multiple guys in your defense so, because you pay him? So the question becomes this: You can re-sign Jared Goff and be the king of the North, win the division for the next three years as long as he's a quarterback. You have the best team yep. in the division. Yep. Or you can take a risk. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get better if the quarterback hits, which is only about forty percent of the time when you draft okay. a quarterback. Sure. Anyway, other sixty percent of the time. They suck. You fall flat on your face, and now you're back well, to no, being you, a poverty you, franchise. You still don't fall flat on your face because you have so much cap space to build the roster. But what happens when your quarterback's that bad? Cough, cough, Zach Wilson. Well, then you what imme- happens when you draft that guy? Well, then you immediately trade for Kirk Cousins. Who cares? You just go trade for the middling quarterback. You again. get rid of more draft picks. The thing that Brad Holmes is the no, better than you, any you GM go, in the NFL. Well, at. You just go get Teddy Bridgewater. Like it doesn't matter. Te- Teddy Bridgewater's not winning two playoff games for the Lions. You go get a good backup quarterback. That's the difference because you have the cap flexibility to do it. You're not you're not totally poop out of luck because you've decided to miss on a quarterback. If you miss on the quarterback, you now have an infinite amount of cap space to go just find another middling quarterback. The difference between Jared Goff being the eighth best quarterback and like going to get Jimmy Garoppolo as the 20th best quarterback when the roster is that much better around Jimmy is not that big of a gap. What happened every time Jimmy Garoppolo is in a big game, Brad? When has he played on a roster that has the infrastructure like Goff? When he went to a Super Bowl with the 49ers and was terrible. Okay. And they still got farther than your Lions this year. 6 one 2 All right. Jeez. Chris Foster's uh, voice of the Blackhawks, <laughs> former employee here at former uh, broadcaster here, Loon's broadcaster. Yeah. yeah, got him back in the building to talk a little bit about that special night on Sunday, game-winning goal for Patrick Kane back in Chicago. That's next on the payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. Continues more from the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. Welcome back into the payoff. We're now joined by Chris Vosters, TV voice of the Blackhawks, Blackhawks for NBC Sports Chicago. Chris, how you doing? Doing great, fellas. Good to be with you. I, uh, you know, for the listener who might not know the the full context of this, I, I was a, a proud employee of this radio station when it was branded as ESPN 100.9 FM from 2015 to 2018. So. It's uh, good to be with you guys again. I'm a, I'm a proud alumnus of the station. Oh, trust me. Nobody nobody from around the regions forgot about you, Chris. You're a legend around here. Uh, I wanted <laughs> well, to ask you, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about, you know, obviously Sunday, Patrick Kane and the Red Wings returned to Chicago. Uh, a lot of emotions in the building that night. What was the energy like in the building prior to the puck drop? It had to have been something special in the air that night. It really was. And look, I've been uh, an employee of the team for just about two years now, and there have already been a lot of big moments that I've gotten to be a part of from 
getting the number one overall draft pick to hosting a big draft party when the Hawks drafted Connor Bedard. The Hawks have retired other numbers as well since I've been affiliated with the team. They retired actually another former Red Wing, albeit for one year, Marion Hosa's number up in the United Center Raptors last year. So I've been a part of special ceremonies and commemorative events and things like that before, but this was definitely probably the most memorable day that I've had as a, as a Blackhawks team employee. There was, as you said, just a real palpable energy in the building all day. And and quite honestly, in the week, even leading up to the retirement ceremony, and it was enhanced certainly by the return of Patrick Kane playing at the United center for the first time since leaving the Blackhawks organization. So it was an amazing night. Uh, A lot of people that I've talked to in the front office are still buzzing about it, to be honest, uh, all week since. And I've had a lot of people from outside the organization and even outside of hockey circles reach out to me and and ask about the event because it was uh, it was quite a quite a a celebration, quite a ceremony. There was a lot of drama, a a lot of emotion, and it, it really, I think, got a lot of eyeballs and ears from just outside the NHL. Do you think uh, the Blackhawk fans welcomed back Patrick Kane with open arms? Because, I don't know, I feel as if the roles were reversed and Detroit was bringing back someone who was wearing a different jersey. I don't think they would have got a warm welcome. I mean, you see what happened with Stafford in the playoffs. He's getting boos and everything. Was there anything like that from Chicago fans, or was it, hey, we're glad he's back? Yeah, that's a great question. And really the unanimous, and I I asked a lot of Blackhawks fans going into the game, hey, how how are you feeling about this? And the overwhelming response that I got from from Blackhawks fans, and it, it, it bared out during the game, was that everyone was really happy, believe it or not, to welcome Patrick Kane back. And there was no grudge against Patrick Kane for leaving the Blackhawks. Uh, no one holds it against him that he wanted to chase cups or, or move on to teams that have a, a more immediate chance of winning than the Blackhawks, who are going through a well-publicized rebuild right now. I think, quite honestly, a lot of the animosity that Blackhawks fans may feel over Patrick Kane's departure is directed toward the organization and not the individual. So everyone was really really just emotional and very happy to have Patrick Kane back. I think it brought up a a lot of nostalgia and a lot of really pleasant memories to say the least with his uh, three Stanley cups that he won as a member of the team. And even when he scored the game winning goal, there, there was uh, honestly more cheering than booing after Mm. that puck went in the net. So it was, uh, it, again, it was all part of just a, a really, really unique and maybe even magical night at the United Center. You, you laid out the Kane situation perfectly and obviously on the call from the Blackhawks perspective. I was wondering just in terms of that game laying out that story because you've talked about uh, in previous interviews, most notably with Joel Goodette, how, all right, when it's in terms of telling the story, it's the flow of the game. But hockey the flow of the game is a little hard to get at at times. So how much of it was talking about Kane as a player and how much of it was, you know, the play-by-play, which obviously, at least in my opinion, you may disagree, but hockey's description on TV is probably more than the other four major sports. 
Definitely. I think you're spot on with that, John. And I think because of that, because of the descriptive nature of, of TV hockey play by play, you can, you can lean into that a little bit more um, and, and not necessarily try and hammer the storylines uh, about Patrick Kane in this case. I mean, look, every, every Blackhawks fan knows what this guy did um, for the organization during his 16 seasons in Chicago. Nobody in my, in my, the way I looked at it, nobody needed me to reiterate that. So what my main focus was during the game was to just be on top of the call because anyone who knows Patrick Kane and, and I know you know this, John, as a hockey fan. I mean, the, the guy's nickname is Showtime for a reason. He has a flair for the dramatic. So a lot of people that I talked to, you know, my, my broadcast partner, Darren Pang, and I talked about this before the game. There was just a, a feeling that he's probably going to do something special in this game. I mean, you didn't necessarily think he was going to have the overtime game winner, but you knew that he was going to have his fingerprints on this game somehow, some way. So my focus going in was to just be on top of the call if and when that moment happened. And it, and it did in, in overtime and watching him skate down the ice on that breakaway, really, it felt like it was in slow motion the way I was viewing it. And it was like, you know, you just, you couldn't believe it was actually happening, but at the same time, it was so on brand for a player like Patrick Kane that uh, again, it was, um, everyone says that the NFL is scripted, but I mean, man, looking at how, <laughs> That night played out on Sunday. I, I, I wouldn't blame anyone for thinking that the NHL was uh, was was scripted. It was it was a storybook night. You're actually not the first person I've heard uh, I've heard say that narrative in the past week after that Patrick Kane thing. Uh, Chris Vosters, former ESPN 100.9 employee, current TV voice of the Blackhawks at NBC Sports Chicago, now joining us. I want to go back to that moment where Patrick Kane scores the game-winning goal in overtime. Seth Jones shoots it. It goes off Reimer's pads. Ends up with Debrinket and he gets it out into open space. Kane has no one between him and the net besides uh, Peter Morazic. I know in my head I'm watching this thinking, oh, it's over. Like, well before he even takes a shot, he's going to get this done. Like you said, his name's Showtime. Is that, was that the, the sense you got watching it in the stadium, that this was just over the second he got that puck in open ice? Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it, it really was, I thought, wow, I, this is, he's, he's really going to do this. He's really going to score the game winning goal in overtime against his former team in Chicago. I mean, I, I just couldn't believe that I was watching all of the boxes get checked before my eyes. And I thought Darren Pang, my, uh, my, my broadcast partner did a great job breaking it down. You know, you could see on, especially when we watched the replay over and over again, you could see how great Patrick Kane's hands still are, the way he was dusting off the puck, the way that he's able to, uh, you know, like a pitcher, honestly, can uh, deceive a batter with uh, the pitch that he's throwing, basically, because of, you know, repeating the arm angle, you know, concealing the way the ball comes off his hand. You know, Patrick Kane can do that with a hockey puck. It's so hard to read how and where the puck is coming off his stick. And it, and it always looks the same to a goalie really, no matter where it's going. So he's still capable of making high level plays in the NHL at 35 years old. And, you know, we, we all knew that now that he's healthy, now that he's, he's overcome his hip resurfacing surgery. I mean, it seems like he's good to go and what a pickup by the Red Wings. I mean, he's been a point per game producer since he rejoined the lineup in, 
late November, early December, whatever it was. And um, so, so yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was almost like a foregone conclusion seeing him go down the ice like that. And Peter Morazic's an excellent goalie. I mean, Red Wings fans, I'm sure remember him and, and he's had a great career uh, with the Blackhawks. This is his second season in Chicago and he's, he's probably the team MVP this year, honestly, for the Hawks uh, has kept them in a lot of games that they really shouldn't have been in. So, um, you know, that was a, that was a really good goalie that, that Patrick Kane beat one of many in his career. Patrick Kane kind of stole the national headlines uh, after that day, I think with how big of a story that was, but let's not forget Chris Chelios also had his Jersey retired that day uh, there in Chicago. I didn't realize the Chicago fans claim this guy is theirs. I mean, this is a two-time <laughs> Stanley Cup winner here in Detroit, and you guys are claiming him as your own. What's going on with that? Yeah, I mean, look, that's been that's been quite a quite a journey for Chris Chelios, and I, I think that uh, you know a lot of this I've learned after the fact, um, you know, because you know the the this story kind of played out in the late '90s, early 2000s. Um, you know, certainly before I was following it as closely as I am now, but I think to, to summarize as best as I can, Chris Chelios is a, is a South side native. He's from Evergreen park, which is a, a South side suburb of Chicago. So he's always been, you know, a, a Chicago native son. And so I think that was a big part and, and continues to play a big role in why Chicagoans claim him. There, look, it, 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 I mean, it it was a different situation than Patrick Kane's departure from Chicago, right? Chris Chelios was traded. The Blackhawks had some great seasons in the early to mid nineties, funny enough, coinciding with the Jordan years in Chicago, but by the late nineties, the Blackhawks were definitely on the decline uh, on the verge of going through another rebuild. And, and as the team was really starting to bottom out, they traded Chris Chelios and the, the fans I think at the time felt more betrayed by Chris Chelios personally. Whereas I said, when Patrick Kane was traded, the Blackhawks seemed to resent the, the, the front office and the organization more. There were, uh, you know, a lot of nuances and a lot of details as to why the reaction was different. You know, it doesn't necessarily don't necessarily need to go into that right now, but um I think since Chris Chelios retired from the NHL, I mean, he has, first of all, he moved back to Chicago. And I think that it's been really important for him to, to rehabilitate his image with his home fans. And he's been a team ambassador uh, for the Blackhawks for, for several years now. He's done a lot of guest appearances with the team in Chicago. He's, he's, you know, been at a lot of sponsorship events, a lot of, season ticket holder events. So he's been very involved with the organization since coming back to Chicago. And I I think that was a a big part of the reason why his number is now in in the Raptors as well, because of of the work, quite frankly, that he's done after his career has ended to, uh, you know, just kind of reaffirm that, that he is a, you know, a Chicagoan at heart. So not, not to say that he, disavows his time in Detroit. I mean, his look, his Red Wings career was longer than his Blackhawks career. You mentioned the two Stanley Cups that he won. And I mean, he's got the mural in, in Little Caesars Arena, right? So um, I was surprised, to be honest, at how many Chris Chelios Red Wings jerseys 
number 24 oh, I yeah. saw in the United Center on Sunday. It was, it was actually pretty cool, but you know, and, and it, it surprised me too, just because of how loaded those Red Wings teams were in 2002 and 2008. I mean, Chelios was in his forties uh, when he won the two cups in Detroit, but to still have that kind of hold on the, on the Red Wings fan base with all of the the stars that were on those teams, I think uh, is, is really a testament to, to him and his career and his legacy. Yeah. Hockey specific too. We're going to play so long. You're going to be mortal with two teams, which is great. By the way, Eddie Olchek, a ranger to me, cause he won the cup, but obviously I know <laughs> not to anybody else. Uh, final thing before we go, Chris had magnificent hair. Uh, people still talk about it here at Dow diamond. You live in the windy city. How do you deal with that wind? How are you? How are you looking good on on the television side, having to go through uh, you know Chicago to get there? <laughs> well, uh, you know it's funny not to get uh, into a you know a personal journey of my hair growth, but this is actually as long as I've had it since I was in Midland with the with the loons and and ESPN at the time. Um, and I need to thank Jesse Goldberg Strassler for the, the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts for, for giving me <laughs> the tongue in cheek honor of, of uh, best hair in the Midwest league for, for a while I kept the certificate that he printed out and, and had hanging on the broadcast booth door in Lansing. But uh, I actually wore my hair a little bit shorter for a while when I moved to Chicago late in 2018. And as I've gotten as my career has taken a turn into hockey now, I, I've uh, grown it out again because A, I like it, and B, to be a little bit more in vogue with the culture of the sport. So it's still a work in progress. Uh, you know, I've got uh, a great, uh, I, you know, Libby who cuts my hair in Chicago is awesome. She gives me a, a great cut, makes it uh, still easy to take care of. And just as long as it's, uh, it's clean and, um, you know, I've got some good product that I put into it to kind of keep it locked in place and uh, just keep it uh, keep it above my eyebrows so that it stays out of my face. We're pretty much good to go, but a little wind is okay. You know, hockey is played indoors. <laughs> so there's usually not that bad of a draft or anything like that. I don't have to worry about it blowing all over the place. I'm going to spring one more on you before we go really quick. One word answer. How would you describe Connor Bedard? Electric. Um, yeah, in, in one word, for sure. I mean, he's um, he's the best play. And, and to elaborate, if I can, I know that's not what you ask, but hey, you do uh, you. You do you. He, thanks. He's 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 the best player on the worst team in the NHL right now. And he's only 18 and he's able to create a lot for himself with with just not a lot of talent around him. So it's um it's really amazing what he's been able to do. It hasn't been easy because, I mean, he's the guy already on every other team scouting report that is on the top of the list. So everyone's keying in on him already. He's not protected by, uh, you know, other Hall of Famers or anything like that in the lineup by any means. So um, it's it's been really impressive to see what he's done. And, you know, it's it's not quite his time yet. It's, uh, you know, as, as we saw on Sunday, it, it's still, this league still belongs to the Patrick Canes and the, and the Connor McDavid's, but uh, we're, we're in Chicago eagerly looking forward to the day where he becomes a, even more of a face of the league than he already is. Chris Vosters, TV voice of the Blackhawks for NBC Sports Chicago. Thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, great to be on with you guys. Keep up the great work and, and I enjoy following along. Happy to hear the rebrand that the station's undergone and 
and good luck with baseball season coming up. High school hoops right around the corner. Stay with us on 100.9 The Mint. You're listening to The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. Back to The Payoff. Lakes Bay Region's home for sports. Everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9 The Mint. All right, guys. Thanks for sticking with us here on a Friday. Had a ton of fun today. Now we're sending it over to John Vicari for some high school hoops. That was the payoff. I hope it was worth it.